Hello, and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from independent media consultant Brad Adgate about how the pandemic has impacted the US TV ad market and accelerated the shift to streaming. And Sony Pictures Television Network's Balash Chabot on how the firm's central European channels have dealt with the crisis. The coronavirus pandemic has accelerated audiences' uptake of streaming video as well as a shift of traditional TV ad spend to digital media. Services including Hulu, Disney Plus and Peacock all offer ad-supported versions, while the likes of Fox's Tubi and Viacom CBS's Pluto TV are focused on free-to-view consumers. Independent media consultant Brad Adgate, a former senior vice president of research at Horizon Media, spoke with Ed Waller about how ad dollars have shifted in the US this year, the impact on cable and rise of premium VOD. So do you think the the changes and the uncertainty of 2020 in terms of the ad spend is going to encourage those advertisers to migrate onto non-television platforms? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I think so. I think one of the biggest benefits is digital media. Um, I think there are two things. Um, You know, I think, um, you know, in the most recent ad spending information that I've seen, digital media accounted for 55% of all national U.S. ad dollars. And for calendar year 2019, it was 44%. So we're seeing a huge you know, change in how advertisers are allocating their their dollars. And, you know, that's not to say they're spending more dollars in digital media. Digital media is relatively flat. It's just that they're not spending it on traditional media so that the changes, you know, the, the, the changes is just, you know, not as impactful as you might think. It's not like Google and Facebook and Amazon are just reaping suddenly billions of dollars. They're not losing dollars as much as traditional media. And as a result, the percentage of allocation is kind and tilted towards digital. And I think that's going to be one of the more interesting trends to see post-pandemic. Will, will that continue? And, and I, I, I do think that, you know, things are moving that direction. And I think what the pandemic has done has, has sped up, uh, you know, these changes that are occurring in, say, consumer adoption of, uh, of media and other trends that, that we've seen coming, whether it's going to the movie theaters or whether it's reading newspapers or what have you. You know, you know this, this is... Uh, this is something to keep an eye on. I think the other part, the second part is, yeah, we're seeing a, a shift in streaming video. I, I think, you know, all the big media companies have an advertising supported streaming video opportunities for marketers. And whether it's Hulu or Disney or Peacock with a Comcast or, you know, Tubi with Fox or Pluto TV with a, with a Viacom CBS, I think that's all going to be part of a, a package deal that uh, when they go to the market or when they you know, when advertisers are interested, they're going to use both the streaming video and say the linear television networks that they own, you know, as part of the negotiations. So yeah, we'll see a spike in that. And, you know, I, I think another one of the trends that we're going to see is that, you know, news is a very, uh, is really doing well right now. You know, I do think that that's something that whether, especially in this election year in the U.S., um, we're seeing just huge, huge spikes of that. And, you know, we're seeing news generally attracts an older audience. They don't charge, you know, premium ad rates because the composition is is not as desirable for a lot of advertisers. So I think that that's something that, that we'll be continuing to look at, especially next year when it's not a political year and who knows what's going to happen. And, and again, you know, one of the 
the trends also during this pandemic with streaming video is that typically younger viewers you know, have, have already migrated to the Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or Disney Plus or what have you. One of the trends we've seen uh, is that older people now are starting to use streaming video. Um, there's been a huge upswing in, say, adults 50 plus in the U.S. that are now watching more and more streaming video. So you have to think what's going to happen post-pandemic and things get back to normal and regular schedule programming. Are, are older audiences now going to go back to television or are they going to stay with streaming video? And my feeling is they'll stay with streaming video because why wouldn't you? Obviously, the move to um, streaming services, a lot of that is in, a, in an environment where advertisers can't go in because it's SVOD. What does that mean? Are they going to divert other forms or is, it, is AVOD going to inherit that spend, as it were? No, I, I mean, I think one of the appeals to um, streaming video for consumers, particularly young consumers, is, you know, you pay a subscriber fee and, you know, you pay, I don't know, $10, $15 a month, kind of like what HBO has been doing for, you know, 50 years. And, and you know, that's kind of like the, the, the payoff. So, you know, I think it's going to be a little more challenging for advertisers to uh, find, you know, video opportunities if, you know, the migration towards streaming video continues. One of the, you know, strategies I think that that these media companies are using with streaming video is kind of like a model where, okay, you don't get any ads and you pay a premium rate or you kind of get some ads and you don't pay as much in subscriber fees. And the third part is, you know, you just get a full load of ads and you get it for free. And so, you know, those are those are three scenarios. And I think, you know, they have to work on revenue models to kind of figure out what the price points are and how many, assuming how many people can uh, sign up for whichever package that you that a consumer may want to do. So, yeah, but it is, it, you bring up a good point. It is a very interesting conundrum, particularly if you're in the video space, you know, if everyone's going to add free content, well, what do you do if you're an advertiser? I guess that's the significance of all the AVOD services that have yeah. been snapped up recently. You know, you mentioned Tubi, Pluto, there seem to be all kinds of AVOD services. Do you, do you think the real beneficiary of all of this is actually the AVODs because, you know, they're going to get an awful lot of ad spending and, and obviously that will benefit them financially. Yeah, I agree. I think that they will get, an, you know, an awful lot of ad spending. And, you know, I'll take it also a little step Further, with AVOD and streaming video in general, one of the trends that we've seen, and again, this is something I think that's going to be expedited with the pandemic, is, is what's going to happen with cable television and cord cutting. We're seeing continuing huge migration of consumers who don't want to pay, say, 150 US dollars to get 200 cable channels and they'll watch maybe 10% of them or even less. We're seeing a lot of consumers cancel their cable subscription. You know, So that's a revenue loss for uh, a lot of media companies, you know, like ESPN charges um, the, the cable operators and satellite companies $9 a month per subscriber. So if you lose, say, $3 million in a quarter, that's a lot of revenue, you know, that, that's relatively stable compared to the advertising marketplace. So I think, you know, that's been um, heightened, I think, dramatically. And the other part, and why I think that one, one trend is this could be the beginning of the end of cable television or cable entertainment television. If you go back 10 years ago, 
you know, USA network, which is owned by Comcast, was the highest rated cable network in prime time. Year in and year out, they averaged 3 million viewers. Now they're averaging less than half of that, you know, and they had a great, a, a great programming lineup, you know, programs like Monk, you know, original shows that was produced by, uh, you know, their in-house studio or, or Comcast or Universal, uh, I guess is their studio. And you think of Suits with Meghan Markle and, you know, they're not producing those types of shows or if they are, they're not getting the numbers that they got 10 years ago because I think one from cord cutting and two is just the competition from primarily from streaming video. And I think if you're a Comcast and, you know, they're going to spend billions of dollars over the next few years in content for Peacock, they're not spending anywhere near that for their cable properties. You know, they're not spending anything for USA or Sci-Fi or Bravo or any of these other cable networks that's under the Comcast umbrella. They're focusing on Peacock. And, you know, they're not alone. I mean, you know, other cable networks, like, you know, if you're TNT or TBS, um, you know, getting original content, I I think is going to be not as prevalent in the years ahead. They may rely on more acquired content or, you know, acquired movies or old reruns of programs because, you know, AT&T, their parent company is going to be focusing on HBO Max and trying to drum up, you know, subscriber counts and and, and by putting on, you know, original compelling content. And th- that's going to be another really interesting trend, you know, going forward is, is, is streaming video versus a cable subscription. So I think the golden age of cable television is kind of uh, on its way out. So do you think that the, the cable channels that are affiliated to the same studio that owns a, an SVOD service will become more like a second window for stuff that's already on the SVOD? Yeah, I do. That's, that's, that I do think that there'll be, um, you know, a second window for, say, you know, reruns of, of content. And in fact, um, you're seeing some of that now with the uh, pandemic. It's, it's, it's um, you're starting to see, say, like CBS is putting on some of their, on their network, they're putting on content from, you know, CVS All Access. Right now they're streaming partner, you know, they're putting on Star Trek Discovery, for instance, as a show. And I think, you know, that they're going to put on, you know, the broadcast network this fall because, you know, production is, you know, production is studios have been shut down. And I think it serves two purposes. One is it's a great opportunity to promote your streaming, your fledgling streaming service with this is the type of content. So I think you'll see a lot of promos for that. And, um, you know, it fills a programming void. You know, while things are being stopped and and shut down and you kind of only rely on reruns and content from international markets and reality shows, you know, with contestants in a bubble. There's only so much you can put on. So I think taking content from their, their streaming um, their streaming partners and perhaps even, I don't know, like in the writer strike of uh, 12 years ago, they relied on cable networks for some of that content. Now I think they'll use streaming video providers instead of cable networks, you know, within their whole corporate umbrella that they have. Looking at this year and, and all the trends and changes that happened, which ones do you think are going to carry on into 2021 and be kind of permanent or which ones are just sort of past Thing just to sort of get us through the pandemic. Oh gosh! Well, some of that, I, that uh, I, I think the continued cord cutting is going to continue. You know, the advertising marketplace, how TV is bought and sold, may change. You know, I think the upfronts may. Um, not saying they're going to go away, but I think we're seeing 
how the calendar starts. There's always been concerns about, you know, the whole how television is bought and sold in the U.S., particularly network television. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the upfronts, you, you, you negotiate over the summer, typically, you know, by, by July, usually the marketplace is closed. And, and every upfront's different. It depends on the ad marketplace. So that's, that's always been an act of frustration because you're buying shows that, you know, may not air. They could get canceled before, you know, and then you don't know what they're going to put on. Uh, the networks to replace that show. So that that created some dissatisfaction. I think the other part is that, you know, the, the, the TV season starts at the end of September, and that's not the fiscal year for, for any advertiser. You know, and, and I think that I, I, it would not surprise me for if, if the upfront continues, it'll start more in a calendar year, which is more in line with the fiscal year of a lot of advertisers, as opposed to starting something, you know, on September 20th and ending for, and going out 52 weeks later. So I think that's that's a change that I think had happened. I think also how television is bought and sold in terms of ratings. I think we're seeing a lot of companies now looking towards, you know, kind of like a, a TV attribution. I, I think when I talk about how more dollars are being allocated to digital media, um, you know, television is relatively flat. I mean, in the U.S., television does about $70 billion a year in ad revenue, but it, it, it's kind of like the percentages have been very very minute over the past few years. So I think, you know, to kind of increase, you know, ad dollars, I think what they have to prove is that television works in a sense that it can help sell a product. You know, it's great for building awareness and great for building reach. But how is it, say, in lower funnel attribution? How is it with um, product consideration, purchase intent, and eventually buying a product? And you have all sorts of companies out there, you know, you know, ad tech or data companies that are taking you know, whether it's set-top box data or Nielsen meter data, taking a first or third-party data and any other types of information that can be integrated into these data sets to come up with, um, you know, more like a, an audience-based buying the way, you know, that digital does, you know. And, and I think that that's, you know, this, this pandemic could expedite that because, you know, it, it kind of just stopped things. And, you know, you, you had to hit a reset button, you know, there's like a flow that you have and, you know, it's been put on hiatus for months. And so this could be an opportunity for that to happen. I don't think it's going to be 100% that way, but you may start to see some advertisers now looking at more, more and more data, you know, beyond Nielsen ratings to kind of build a schedule and to, you know, target better. So for instance, you know, if you know 5 million people are going to the movies, well, where are they? Instead of just buying adults 18 to 49 and loading up on Thursday night, to, you know, because the movie opens on Friday, you know, come up with something a little more strategic or a better way to measure to measure the impact or the return on investment that you're going to get from this media schedule. I also think that the premium VOD is going to become more and more popular, um, you know, with movie studios shut down. You know, you've seen something like Hamilton, uh, which was scheduled for for a release next year, you know, was uh, launched on Disney Plus on July 3rd. Um, so, so that was something that kind of helped boost um, subscriber rates for that. But then you're also seeing movies that were scheduled to be put in theaters that couldn't go on. And, and so, you know, what the studios did was they said, okay, we'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll put the movie on premium video on demand. You pay $20 or, or $30 and you get unlimited 
ability to watch this movie over a 48-hour span. And, you know, I think the movie theaters were, were pretty upset with that, but they were closed. And, you know, how do you, you know, and summer is is the time for, for blockbuster movies or, you know, tentpole movies, you know, these action adventure, these Marvel, DC, you know, universe, universal type of, of action movies. It, it, you know, it's it's it, they produce, you know, over the course of uh, like three or four months, over $4 billion in, in gross box office revenue in the U.S. And that was all gone this year. And so, yeah, and to make, to kind of get some revenue, I think that that model is going to continue. And in fact, I know that Universal made an agreement with AMC, which is the largest movie theater chain in the U.S., where they have a multi-year agreement where the movie is uh, is released in a theater and within three weekends or 17 days, it becomes available on premium VOD and they've created some sort of revenue sharing with the with AMC for, for that. So that's already an indication that that's a direct a result of the impact the pandemic had on, on, on moviegoing. Brad Adgate. Sony Pictures Television Network's Central European channels are keen to attract younger viewers with new originals and acquisitions as non-linear viewing gathers pace, according to Balash Shabo, the group's programming executive director for the region. Sony's portfolio of channels there includes AXN, Sony Movie Channel and Sony Max, plus Hungarian networks Viasat 3 and Viasat 6. While some shows were pushed back this year as a result of the pandemic, nothing was cancelled entirely. Shabo told Karolina Kaminska the longer-term impact of the US production hiatus and acceleration in consumer uptake of streaming remain concerns, however. What we planned to have it on air for the whole year, uh, at the end of last year, uh, we kept in the in the schedules. So to be honest, uh, from premiere perspective or from acquisition perspective or from uh, any new production perspective, uh, we didn't change anything. And I think uh, that was a really good choice uh, because um, uh, during the spring season in Poland and in Hungary and also in, in Romania, uh, we managed uh, to deliver really good ratings. Uh, the viewers, uh, as they were at home, the reach was much higher and uh, ATS uh, was much higher over that period of time. And they were really, I would say they were really happy to have premiere titles uh, on the channels. Uh, the need for new content was really high over this period of time, uh, and we were really happy to, to premiering uh, Snucky, one of uh, the original productions uh, planned for Poland, and for example, Real Housewives of Budapest uh, for the Hungarian channels. Uh, so we're really keen on keeping what we originally planned for the spring. Uh, and of course, uh, as I mentioned, we were affected in some part because uh, for the for the fall season, uh, what we are in right now, uh, we wanted to have uh, more productions on air. We wanted to have more productions uh, premiering in September, October time. Uh, but as mentioned, because of the current situation, we needed to postpone some of the productions. And with that in mind, we, we are not uh, having as much original local productions in, in every market uh, as we usually usually did in the previous years. And so overall, um, in the last few months, given everything that's that's been going on, have you had to alter your, your strategy in any way in terms of acquisitions, programming, commissioning, you know, have you have you put any of those on hold, commissioning or acquisitions, for example, um, in favor of airing reruns when when production was halted? No, actually not. Um, for for us, programming works. I mean, and, and the planning phase and the acquisition phase works in in uh, six to twelve months in advance. So uh, at the beginning of this year, we already started to work on the on the on the, even on the fall season. Uh, and from acquisition perspective, eighty ninety percent of our plans were already uh, already in motion, meaning that we were already in in negotiation with uh, with the distributor. 
distributors, with uh, with other studios to move forward with the acquisition negotiations. Uh, the only thing what needed to to change is uh, basically the, it was original production related. Uh, so on the Hungarian market and on the Polish market, uh, what we planned for the fall for this fall, premiering from October November on our territories, uh, we decided for some of the productions to be postponed uh, till in the near future, till next year or or when we can use those. But actually, we never we, we didn't cancel anything, and we are really proud of that. So I think that's a really a really strong state a statement here that um, uh, even though we needed to postpone something, we we didn't cancel anything, and and we wanted to keep our projects on air, and we wanted to to go further with our projects what we already planned for months years now, and 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 I think that's uh, that's really important here that um, keeping these plans are also important for us, but also important for the viewers, I believe. And can you talk about some of the new launches and productions you've got coming up in the region? What's in the pipeline? Yes, uh, so in case of Poland, for example, we are really happy that after two seasons of uh, Ultraviolet and uh, two seasons of Naki, uh, the signs uh, with the English title, uh, we managed to work and we managed to start a new uh, a new production, which is called The Crack and the Pact. This series is uh, based on the book of uh, Igor Radigant, and uh, we, we basically we are working together with Igor uh, on uh, on the production. Uh, the production already started, and the announcement about the production was, I think, uh, released in August. So we are really happy to have that uh, at the moment in motion. And uh, given the current circumstances, I believe it's really hard to keep a project like this alive. Uh, but uh, Sony and uh, and and Sony Networks makes everything to be able to move forward with that project. Uh, we are really happy to have uh, Endemol Shine as a production company attached to the project and. Our partner uh, on the whole production is basically Polska from the Polish market, uh, and that's uh, that's uh, two seasons uh, what we are shooting back to back. At the moment, we are in production, and uh, at some point in the near future, we will announce when and how we will use the content. Uh, in case of uh, in case of the in case of the Hungarian market, uh, we are working on uh, the new seasons of uh, the Real Housewives of Budapest. We are working on the new seasons of one of our game show, which is uh, really well known on the Hungarian market, called uh, Mind Blowers, uh, with the Hungarian title Is Bontok. And we also uh, we also acquired uh, some of the Sony formats like Celebs in Solitary or Nasty Girls and other formats, which are at the moment in production. Uh, and we will be premiering it uh, beginning of November on the Hungarian market. Uh, Nasty Girl official title is Here Come Here Come the Girls. So as said, uh, it's uh, uh, you had a question about what changed or what's changing uh, given the current circumstances. I believe I can answer that what's changing is that there is a much higher need on getting more more and more local content for the viewers. And even though some of the, probably some of the viewers and some of the uh, companies uh, expected to have less productions, I think we have even more than we had one year ago. And not just us, but uh, this is something what we are seeing on the market that uh, uh, everybody is trying to produce their own production as, uh, as quickly as possible till, they, till, till everybody can. So what sort of shows are you looking for now for your future slate? Are there any particular types of genres or program formats that that you're looking for? Uh, from acquisition perspective, I believe we, I mean, at the moment we are continuing the same route what we what we started. I think uh, the AXM brand is really well known on uh, all the drama and action packed series coming from the US, and we had a really high, really good success with uh, with these titles, like all the NCIS and Criminal Criminal Minds titles. And a couple of years ago, we started to acquire the new seasons of uh, SWAT, uh, The Good Doctor. Uh, we have now. Ellie 
Alice, Alice Finest, and our brand new show, which uh, premiered uh, three weeks ago in the, on the Polish market, called it's called uh, Alex Rider. Uh, so in in some way, what's changing is that from the well-known series like NCIS are getting older a little bit uh, as they are in the 10 plus uh, seasons, uh, and we were really keen on on finding some some new titles for the channels, and we were really fortunate that uh, our own studio uh, Sony uh, managed to basically produce uh, Alice Finest two years ago, or they started to produce uh, Alice Finest two years ago uh, with Jessica Alba and Gabriela Union, and they produced last year Alex Rider, and these two shows are uh, really important for us uh, for the channels, because uh, I think it, these titles are part of a brand new strategy. Uh, we are rather trying to focus on, on younger viewers, and uh, we are trying to focus on uh, digital non-linear usage as well. Uh, and next to these two titles, I think uh, The Good Doctor is uh, the third piece of our fall uh, highlights, which uh, together with the others are, are definitely uh, showing a, a, a huge uh, strength uh, in, in our series acquisition uh, strategy. Uh, so these titles are part of our current slate. Uh, and of course, uh, if there is any uh, any new seasons coming, like uh, there will be a second season of Alex Rider, those new seasons will be premiering on, on the accent channels and uh, across on all of the territories. So it's not just Poland or Hungary related, but these titles are available for us on uh, on, on every territory uh, where we are broadcasting. The other important highlight, I believe, is uh, is the third uh, season of uh, Absentia with Stana Katic. Uh, we premiered the title on some of our territories in the past couple of weeks. And this title is really important to us uh, because it's, uh, it's a European production, but coming down from the US networks. So it's it's really good for us. And uh, we are really happy to have it because it's an exclusive title for the for the accent channels. And what sort of trends are you seeing in terms of what viewers are demanding at the moment? You spoke a little bit about about local production. What what's popular among viewers at the moment? Uh, I think uh, the easiest answer to that question would be on one hand original productions and on the other hand uh, uh, blockbuster movies uh, and, and probably with that I would leave the question there and uh, it would be answered but uh, what we also learned during the during the spring season that it's not just about original productions or it's not just about movies it's also about having something new uh, so uh, the viewers were really keen on, on, on getting and watching something new what they never watched before uh, and I think that was really hard to basically put together uh, in a season where you had uh, limited chances on productions and on acquisitions. And this is why I mentioned to you that we were really happy that we kept everything on air because every new season, every new every new titles what we what we basically premiered, for us it was a success uh, between April till June. So for us uh, the viewership was was really great and uh, we were really happy to to have all of the all of the titles on air. Uh, on the other hand on 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 the trends, of course that we, we we were seeing um, really high demand on uh, non-linear uh, viewership or non-linear content consuming basically the global the global non-linear players they reached uh, a higher number of subscribers over this period of time uh, but what we were seeing in Poland especially that uh, after one or two months after their I would say first month expired which was free for everyone they left uh, these services so even though for some of some weeks we, we saw a really huge number of new subscribers joining uh, these um, platforms uh, after one or two months they left this and they came back to the linear channel. So we saw a really high decrease in, in reach for some of the months, but now for the fall season, the reach on, dif- on the different markets are, are back on almost on the same level where it was one year ago. So we can say that the, the need for new content is definitely there, uh, but from where they are getting, uh, from where the viewers are getting that new content, it's, uh, it's definitely changing, I think, month by month now. Are there any types of show that you're definitely not interested in 
if, if anybody was to pitch to you or in terms of acquisitions, is there anything that you're really not keen on having um, for your channels in Central Europe? If we are talking about all of the channels, I think uh, the variety of genres, what we are using on our channels, it's, it's a really wide package there. Because in case of Hungary, as we have uh, uh, the Viasat channels, Viasat 3 and Viasat 6, or we have the Sony movie channel, I think from, from a genre perspective, as these channels are basically using from sitcom titles till um, any kind of entertainment, reality shows, uh, almost everything. I wouldn't say no to to any kind of genre specifically, but of course, as the channels are not, for example, kids kids channels, we are not we are not looking for any 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 type of kids content or or for let's say Poland or Romania. At the moment, we are not looking for any kind of comedy or or sitcom type of uh, titles. So we need to differentiate uh, the markets and we are differentiating uh, the markets from each other. Uh, and depending on, on on what our brands are, basically how our brands were built in the previous uh, couple of years, that's the route what we are still keeping. And we are not changing uh, that for now, at least. Some producers and broadcasters have, have been saying that they're seeing increased demand for feel-good content. And they're also very keen on escapist content, but they're less keen on things that are kind of disaster related. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one word uh, everybody said that uh, there's a word uh, there's a word uh, escapism, what uh, most of the viewers were looking for. And yes, I mean, I think that's that's still part of their daily life. And if if it comes to consume any kind of uh, content, uh, on one hand, they would like to either see something new or they would like to escape, if I may use this word, from their daily life. And that's still there. Uh, but uh, uh, as I mentioned before, what we are seeing right now that all of the, all of the productions and all of the new titles what uh, were launching on the different markets were really similar to what the other channels were doing one year ago. So even though we had what we had over the past couple of months in percentage, the need uh, it's still for for this almost the same content what was there uh, one year ago. Of course, there are some changes, and that, but that's a that's a normal thing to normal thing to see and normal thing to address. Uh, but uh, I would say that uh, escapism will stay with us for the next couple of months as well. And any kind of feel good content which, uh, which is easy to watch and uh, they can relate to something else uh, from their daily life, it, it it will be definitely there. And of course, this is why we were chosen some of the original productions for some of the markets what we did like in Hungary to, to support that idea. So our, our game show called Mind Blowers, Ace Bond Tokyo, I think it's a it's a typical escapism show. It's a really feel-good one. It, it supports that idea what we just discussed. So it's, it's, it's good to have on the channel. And what impact could a, a second wave of the virus have on the business and how are you prepared to deal with it? To be honest with you, I, I don't want to use any kind of magic uh, bubble here to, I don't know, see the future or anything like this. What's important for us at the moment is to keep our schedule, our plans, and to keep our brand how we think it, it's the best for the viewers. And for example, after September and, and then we closed one month already, uh, we see that uh, even though that it's happening, it's there. Uh, and we see some uh, differences on the market my market market basis. I mean, the fall, fall season, it's really similar to what we saw one year ago. So the, all of the countries are are open basically in, in, in a way that we, we are not seeing the same restrictions what we saw uh, during the spring season. Uh, and that's definitely affects... Uh, uh, the current uh, uh, viewership uh, on, on the different markets. What will happen, I don't know, uh, three to six months from now, I think it's uh, from a business perspective, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's hard to predict, but I think we are in a good track to deliver what we what we planned uh, for this year and for the next year. And uh, I think we, 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 we should definitely keep that route what we did during this year because uh, it was really good for us. 
Have you experienced much of an impact from the cancellation of events like MIPCOM? I wouldn't name one market only uh, because for every every company, uh, there is a different market, which is probably more important than the other. In general, canceling all of the markets or not being able to go to, to any markets, basically, I wouldn't say change is something from, from a business perspective because everybody went back to having calls and meetings like what we are having right now. Uh, but at the same time, the, the, the networking, uh, to be able to meet everyone in person, uh, that's definitely missing. I mean, for me personally, it's definitely, definitely something what I miss. It would be great to go back to the same and usual curve of the year, meaning that we have the markets or all of the markets in every two, three months uh, where we are participating. Uh, but at the moment, from a business perspective, it didn't make any difference for us uh, if it comes to our program scheduling or content acquisition. What comes next year? That's a, that's a different story, but I hope we will go back to the normal way of, of meeting with each other. And then finally, what are the biggest challenges and opportunities you see for the business over the next year? If I may answer that question from an operational level or operational basis, I think it's one of the biggest challenges at the moment, uh, as we have lots of acquired series coming from the US uh, uh, studios and US production companies. Uh, we are really relying on when and how they can continue all the productions during this year or early next year. That's one of the challenges what we need to monitor uh, almost on a weekly basis because uh, it definitely can affect our plans uh, for the next year. And also the same goes to our own locally produced content plans. We have many projects in motion at the moment. We are working on, on starting these productions if we can early next year. And to be able to do that, we need to monitor uh, the situation of, of what's happening uh, on the different markets. And if that doesn't happen or if we are unable to move forward with these productions, that can have an effect on our plans for next fall, but not earlier. I think for the next one year, uh, we are definitely in a, in a good position to say that we have the content what we need uh, in our inventory. And uh, and that's really good. On, on, a, on a much bigger scale, how the market will change or how business will change. I think, um, as we saw on some of the markets, the need for the content on, on the global uh, non-linear platforms and on any kind of non-linear basis is definitely uh, growing and is definitely higher month by month. It's not necessarily attached to any uh, one or two different uh, different uh, players. It's rather the need uh, that the viewers are turning to watch this content on a, on a non-linear basis. And uh, that's something what we also need to monitoring and we need to be careful of because it can take uh, viewers uh, from the linear channels away. So probably that would be the, the other thing what we need to be careful of in the next couple of months. Balash Shabo from Sony. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast next week. But in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. Thank you.